we welcome you to the preaching service of the Scotts Fork Christian Church. And I am Otis Clark, the minister of the church. And we're so pleased to have you uh, sharing this sermon and this preaching time with us. We hope and pray, especially that our shut-ins, those who are lonely, those who have lost loved ones, those who are ill, that uh, they are having the privilege and feel like listening to this particular message. Today, I'm going to be speaking on building a home from God's blueprint. Brothers and sisters, I could not be more serious when I tell you that I believe with all of my heart, if we are going to have a better world in which to our children to live in and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that there has got to be a very, very earnest attempt on the part of mom and dad to seek to have a home and build a home from God's blueprint. I said many times from the pulpit here at the Scotts Fork Christian Church in Lancaster, Kentucky, that uh, the home is so important. The late Dr. Billy Graham said, as goes the home, so go the churches, so go the schools, so go the businesses, so goes many other things that are vitally important. And I hope for a few minutes that uh, the Lord will speak through me and, and that you will listen and that we will listen to what the Bible says about how to have a happy home, a good home, a joyous home. I am somewhat, or rather a lot convinced that a lot of people don't believe that we can have happy homes anymore. And I couldn't disagree with uh, anymore with that, in that a lot of people have failed to realize that of the things that our Lord brought into existence, the three main things, one of them is the home. We know that, and as a matter of fact, it was the first institution that we read about and will read about in Genesis 1. But also we need to understand that he ordained not only marriage, the Christian home, but also the government render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God. And then, of course, he established the church, the body of Christ. And friends, I agree with what Dr. the late uh, Dr. Billy Graham said, as goes the church, so goes one entity, one thing, right after another. I hope and pray that you will listen with me for a few minutes, and and I believe that if all of us would be candid, that we would like to see happy homes and marriages that where there is happiness and where there is joy. The psalmist said in Psalm 127:1, "Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain." Who build it? My friends, when we think about building a home, it takes three. It takes dad, it takes mom, and it takes Jesus Christ. I have found in my years being in the ministry that uh, premarital counseling, uh, a person who is well-versed and trained and, and excellent at that is a tremendous great thing, to sh- tremendously great thing to share in. But I have also found that if a mom and a dad know Jesus Christ 
and know the teachings of the scriptures and have a resolve to follow him, that that makes all the difference in the world. Because there are some things that we will be called upon to do in a marriage that we cannot do by ourselves. We have to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. We have to be enabled by Jesus Christ to do many of the things that we need to do to have a happy marriage. And so uh, I would say like this is that, uh, like for instance, you, excuse me, you look at the teachings in the Beatitudes and the teachings about how we are to respond to each other. And uh, we read where if someone smacks you on one cheek, that you turn the other. And we many times, and probably most of the time, are, are not able to do that, just being human, unless we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit and Christ's teachings in our hearts and in our lives. Sharon and I have been married uh, 52 years, I guess it is now. We were married in 1968. And uh, so uh, this this particular August in 21, we'll be married uh, 53 years. And uh, so I say to you and, and all of those who have been married that length of time that it can be done, and but it just doesn't happen by chance. We know there's a lot of things going on in our world. We know there is a lot of unhappiness, and it really, really doesn't have to be that way. Uh, there's a lot of what I would call vain building. Uh, we go into marriage. We have not put down the right foundation. Uh, we do not have an understanding uh, of each other. Uh, and I say this respectfully, uh, thinking about following God's blueprint for a marriage, is that a marriage that is built mainly on the physical, in all probability, will not make it. Because in time, the years go by, and uh, uh, we don't stay as nice looking, even though we might try and work at it as maybe we once were. Many, many things change uh, over the years. And so if there isn't someone uh, who is astronomically strong and, and can give us the right advice, and of course that's Jesus Christ, uh, we probably are going to struggle a whole lot. It seems safe to say that we need, as never before, God's blueprint, which can remold a house and turn it into a home. The Roman philosopher Seneca said, we must know for which harbor you are headed if you are to catch the right wind to take you, uh, take you there. What is the right harbor? What is God's blueprint for beginning and maintaining a marriage that is a blessing and not a burden? What is the purpose for marriage? To understand God's beginning purpose for marriage, we must look to the divinely inspired book of beginnings. And we know that's what the word Genesis means. It means a book of beginnings. And Genesis 1, 26 through 28, this is what the Holy Bible tells us. This is the word of the Lord. These are the teachings that we are to follow, that we are to respect if we want to be used by God and be beautiful in his sight. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image 
according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over the and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. In his Christian home, we need to understand that for it to be that, that we must look and seek the blueprint that is given in the holy book. Now, the first purpose that we see uh, is in verse 26 is this phrase, let us make man in our image. God's first priority for marriage is to reflect his image. Friends, you can never go wrong. Listen to me. When you pick up the Holy Bible and listen to it, respect it, and realize what he has said to you as a man, a father, husband, is that what he has said to you can make all the difference in the world, and it will enable you to reflect the image of him, and it will give you the guidance and the strength that you need to be what you need to be. The word reflect means to glorify, magnify. To reflect God's image means to display his character, his perfect love before all of God's creation. You see, marriage was God's first choice for mankind. He has chosen vehicle to display his character on earth. Many people get married today and without understanding that God's image, reputation is at stake in their marriage That is, his image is on the line. You know, as we read our way through the Holy Bible, we read here in the beginning about him instituting the home and what God calls a home is a man and a woman joined together, seeking to have him as their head and seeking to be obedient to his word as to how they ought to live. As part of reflecting God's image, Marriage is to picture God's relationship to the church. Two people are to love each other unconditionally, always forgiving and being committed to each other. A husband and wife are to demonstrate to the world that two people can love each other and live together in spite of their differences. Marriage is not two persons, two people living together, but two imperfect people living with God's perfect love for each other. God's plan is clear. Husband and wives to be committed to each other and to God that they reflect his image. Friends, as you stop and think about it, uh, if I were to ask you, let's say around Christmas time, have that kind of a setting, and to draw me a picture that you just think is so profound and so beautiful, 
probably some would sit down and they would show maybe the mother sitting in a rocking chair, uh, the father sitting in a rocking chair, children sitting around the fireplace and a dog sitting by the fireplace and maybe the children are playing with some of their respective toys. I really think that that kind of a picture reflects what Jesus wants a marriage to reflect. And so often we fail to realize, people, that we think that uh, uh, that well, if we it, well, it's just entirely too easy to get a divorce. You see, one of the things that that I do in sharing in premarital counseling is that I share with a man and a woman who are seeking to become husband and wives that when you become a husband and wife, really, and become married, you stop looking for the right person and you seek to become the right person. I have no question in my mind as I heard a person make the statement one time, he made the statement, he said, you know, Otis, if a couple would work as hard on their uh, first marriage as they do their second marriage, there would be a lot less second marriages. There is so much involved. And so often when I was ministering here at the Danville Church for 32 years and we would have marital sessions and and people would come in and I could almost say and know what some of the problems were going to be. They're just always there. And what I found out to be, I would say under my breath, if they only had been taught Christ's way, Christ's way about how to think about this. They've been taught about the importance of trust, the importance of, of, of forgiving, the importance of caring for each other. And they have done studies on marriages. And I understand that they're still saying this, that the people who have the best marriages is where the husband and wife are each other's best friend. As part of reflecting, we must understand that God knows what is best. Secondly, a couple is to to produce a godly heritage. In verse 28, it says, and God commanded man to be fruitful and multiply and to uh, 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 bring children into the world. And he commanded man to reproduce God's image through children. Children are not just excuse me, are not just to enjoy, but are given to parents for the purpose of raising them to become Christ-like. It seems fair to say today that sometimes parents um, maybe don't step up and and do and, and do their and share their responsibilities as a mom and dad. To me, there isn't anything more beautiful than to see a little baby brought into the world, little hands and little feet, beautiful body. What a miracle, what a miracle. And then as a mom and a dad to joyfully work hand in hand and seek to set the example that they ought to set for their child, their boy, their girl. All of us have heard the expression that uh, 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 an apple does not fall too far from the tree. And I've heard people say, a psychologist say one time, you tell me some of the dynamics of the dad, some of his main attributes, and also of the mother, and I will tell you the outcome of the child. I can look at my own life, and I can see that many of the responses that I make in life, that I'm reflecting the way that my mom and my dad raised me. You see, when we think about this matter of educating our children, 
Yes, the church is intended to do every, or put, put here to do everything that it can. But we need to understand when we read the Holy Bible that the main responsibility in teaching children what is right and what is wrong is placed upon the parent. And I want to submit to you, you know I love you, you know how I'm glued together, and you know I'm trying to say something here that can make all the difference in the world. You know, sometimes parents will say, just let your conscience be your guide. Friends, there could be nothing more dangerous. There could be nothing that is more wrong than that. Because if your conscience has been not been taught and what is right and what is wrong, then it'll just do in all probability what is wrong. And so a child, your child needs to know you need to start at a young age. And friends, also I would say along with this line is in teaching them, there's no greater way to teach than my example. Without a question, God in his perfect wisdom gave children to parents to bring them up in the way of the Lord to produce a godly heritage. And then thirdly, husband and wives are to rule, so to speak, together in harmony. They, the Bible talks about in Genesis 1:28, and said, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living creature, every living thing that moves on the earth. A couple is to see their marriage as a spiritual offensive against Satan's plot to control the earth. If a husband and wife, I would say it like this, do not rule together against Satan, then they will ultimately war against each other. Paul gave some great teachings in the Ephesian letter, teachings that all parents need to be mindful of, all Christians need to be mindful of, and that it says in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And friends, don't miss this very important part, important point. Your enemy is not your mate. The choice is simple. You can either rule together or fall apart. There are so many mixed messages, and I feel sorry, and I don't mean to put anyone on a guilt trip, but there are so many mixed messages that our sweet children are getting today, is that the father will say one thing, and then the child will go and maybe speak to his mother, and she will say another thing. The mom and dad need to be on the same page, and they need to support each other in the way that they handle the discipline. A primary reason marriages are failing today is because couples do not understand the spiritual battle taking place on earth between God and Satan, and marriage is the focal point of this horrible, horrible battle. A godly marriage doesn't just happen. We've got to understand that there are responsibilities that each one of us have, each one has. God has chosen a feeble, puny human to show, so to speak, how to love and to care and to be like Christ. If you and I don't do this, then we will miss on this life's greatest adventure of being a mom and dad and seeking to have a home after God's plan. One of the child's greatest needs when we think about children today is security. And it cannot be fully experienced 
unless a couple is one. A couple simply cannot reproduce a godly heritage apart from parents being one with each other. A couple must reign together if they are to experience victory in daily spiritual warfare. Mates who are not one physically will be open to the enemy's bait of extramarital affairs. In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says that a man's walk with God is hindered if he is at odds with his life. The home is to be a haven in the stormy confusion of the world. Our best hope for experience and appreciation, satisfaction, and fulfillment is to be one with our mates. We look and study life, and we understand that we have seen that God's purposes for marriage are to reflect God's images, to reproduce a godly heritage, and to raise and rule together in spiritual warfare. And I would like to offer a four-part sequence toward establishing God's purpose in your marriage. First of all, mom and dad, confess any wrong attitudes or bitterness, excuse me, you might have toward your mate. A lack of forgiveness in our, our critical spirit can bring astronomical problems and problems to marriage. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us all from all unrighteousness. Now, confess means to agree with God, to say along with him. After you confess, thank God for his forgiveness of your sins through his son, Jesus Christ. In some instances, you may need to confess to your mate and also ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very, very important step and very important for your children to see because it has to be a part of life. And then secondly, I'd like to say to you to commit your life to God to become a part of his plan for marriage. Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, and Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many Christian marriages are settling for a diet of hot dogs, so to speak, when God has promised prime rib. It is better to live and lead as, as the plan is revealed in God's word that will ultimately succeed uh, and then and trust God to give you the strength to continue in carrying out that plan. Also, we need to see that he is uh, the one who has uh, done so much for us. For instance, like in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and and do not get drunk on on wine, uh, with wine, for that is uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We are commanded to allow God's power to work in and through us. Our responsibility is to yield totally to Him, to trustfully Work and let the Holy Spirit lead our lives so that we know that we have been led by the Spirit of God rather than by the thinking of the world. Marriage begins, my friends, with a deep commitment, a deep love. I heard someone say one time that the best definition of love is wanting what is best for someone else. 
Marriage begins with a choice. We choose to spend our lives with one particular person. Maintaining a godly marriage also requires a choice. We can choose either to be a part of, of God's plan and a part of uh, the plan that he has, or we can choose to be a part of the plan that our enemy, that Satan has. The, the cho- needless to say, the choice is yours and it is mine. On this day, all across America, people are thinking about Valentine's Day, and they're thinking about hopefully showing and, and telling their wives, telling their husbands that they love each other. I just hope and pray that that we understand that there really isn't any greater challenge that we have in this world of ours than the restoration of the Christian home. I say this lovingly. Again, I'll use the words. I don't want to put any undue guilt on anyone, but it is hard to say the damage that is done to children when there are these happenings, divorce, and et cetera. It's just so, so sad. And I believe with all my heart and all the years that I've been preaching that so many, many marriages could be salvaged if people would only seek counseling, competent counseling, counseling, and that it could make a world of difference in their marriage. I know the last figure that I heard that they said at least 50% of the marriages could be salvaged is uh, if people would just be seek genuine counsel. Friends, I pray that God will bless your home I pray, dads, that you have a desire to be a godly father. Mothers, I pray that you have a desire to be a godly mother. And children who might be listening, I pray that you have a desire to be obedient children. This is God's plan, and it will work, and it can work, but it takes work. And so we need to look to God for his blueprint, look to his teachings, and pray that he will guide and lead us. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. And uh, I hope and pray that even in the way that I have spoken, that it reflects that I feel so strongly about having a home after God's blueprint, that we would look to the scriptures and realize that our Father knows what is best. And if we would only make up our minds to listen to his word, follow his exhortations, that we can have happy homes, we can have happy marriages. And Father, I just pray that you will bless all who are listening. Be with our land. Be with our nation. Be with each of us. Forgive us of our sins. In the Master's name we pray. Amen. 